We good? Yes. Uh, so we're starting a new sermon series today. Uh, it's a sermon series based on the book by Adam Hamilton. Uh, I love Adam Hamilton. He's a United Methodist church pastor, like a big church in Kansas City. And he writes on every Christian topic you can imagine. And he creates a bunch of curriculum for the United Methodist Church. And so he writes a book called Half Truths. Um, Half Truths that Christians often say. And so uh, we're going to be going through these chapters. Uh, today's Half Truth is love the sinner, hate the sin. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? Because I've heard that a lot growing up. I heard it a lot. I, I still hear it. Some of you might really love it. You don't have to agree with me. I say this all the time, right? The beautiful thing is, if you disagree with me, you're in pretty good company because lots of really great Christians disagree with me, right? All I'm suggesting today is that you consider what I'm going to say, right? Just consider it. Think about it, right? So half-truths, things that maybe sound true or maybe partially true, uh, but also, I would argue, have done great damage, I think can be really harmful in lots of ways. I think the idea that says love the sin or hate the sin, like I, I have trouble with it for three reasons, Is it, right? Every good sermon, I'm going to have like three points or something, like three reasons. <laughs> and I gave you two prayer requests. Um, <laughs> Not a, never again. <laughs> so I've got three issues with the statement, love the sinner, hate the sin. I, well, I have more than that. I'm only going to talk about three because I want to get out of here. Here's my first problem. Here's why I struggle with it. Has anybody ever heard that comment and actually felt loved? Ever. Has anybody heard, you know, I love you. I just hate what you do and been like, thank you so much. I feel loved right now. Never, not like not one person has ever received that and said, that made me feel really loved. Thank you. It's almost always a feeling of judgment or of exclusion. If you say something as a Christian intending it to be loving and true, and yet it's almost never received that way by the other person, you should probably stop saying it. Like, like, this is just my thought, right? Like, if, 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 you're in, if, if your intention is like, no, I want to communicate clearly to someone, I care about you, I'm like worried about what you're doing or your behavior, I'm really, so I want to communicate to you that I love you and I'm concerned, and yet the person doesn't receive it, then find a different way to say it. I don't, I've never heard of someone hearing this and thinking, that really made me feel comfortable. I'm glad that we had this talk. Okay, so my second concern with the, with the statement, which I, I find to be rampant. I think this is just something people say a lot, and I think we should stop saying it. I think we should correct it, maybe even apologize, right? Like there are people, maybe I need to say, I'm sorry that I, I thought this way, or I made you feel this way, or I said these things. The second issue I have is the way that the statement assumes a very clean break between like who I am and what I do. That, that, that I can be easily distinguished. Like we have these clear categories like I love you, but I, I hate what you do. I love you, but I hate your lifestyle. I love you, but I hate your desires and your thoughts and your feelings. What am I except my behavior, my thoughts, my feelings? Like what? 
my closest relationships or something. Like, what am I outside of those things? Like, I think life is just too messy. We're, we're too complicated. Sin is like too ingrained in our lives to be able to clearly say, I love this part and I hate this part. I want to know, do you love all of me? Do you love it all? Right? Even if you don't agree. I'm not saying you have to agree with it all. Do you love it all? Am I okay? Am I accepted? When I say, when I say the word sin, um, I don't have like an easy definition for you. I'm just going to tell you how I conceive of it, right? Um, this is not going to be like overly theological. Like if I was writing a theology paper, this isn't how I would say it. But here I think it will be helpful. When I think of sin, I think of something like this. All of the stuff in my life that separates me from my true self, that separates me from other people, that separates me from God. All the stuff in my life, like I consider like all the ways I beat myself down, my negative self-talk, like why are you such an idiot, Joe? Why did you do that? That's sin. It, it takes me away from my true self, right? It's breaking relationship with me uh, or all the behaviors I engage in that are self-destructive. I'm not being the person I know I ought to be, that I want to be, that God might call me to be. I'm, I'm breaking relationship with myself. All the ways, the thoughts, the patterns that hurt the people I'm around, my kids or my wife, when I'm on my phone and my kid wants to talk to me and I'm distracted, like it's sinful in that it's, it's hurting the relationship there. But do you see how pretty soon like so many patterns in my life, so many habits of my life are not optimal. They're not bringing me closer to God. They're shutting that off. They're not bringing me closer to other people. I'm not being vulnerable. It's shutting that off. I think when we, talk, when we say love the sin or hate the sin, we're thinking about very clear actions, like when you lied, I hated that. But I think sin is so much more complicated than those one-time actions. It's like all the habits of my daily life that make me less than present to myself and to other people that are selfish, that are hurtful. And I don't know how to separate all of that from who I am. I don't know how you could hate all of that and still love me. Because I'm going to need you to have grace for me on all that stuff. I'm never going to get rid of it entirely. So I don't know how realistic it is to say, I'm going to love the, the sin or I'm going to love you, Joe, but I'm going to hate all the stuff in your life that you probably will never weed out and that hurts yourself and hurts other people. I just don't know how to, it's too complicated. It's too messy. Like I want to think about a human person in a holistic way. I'm not, I can't separate my body and my soul. It's all mixed up together in this stuff, this body that we have, right? I don't know how to separate my mind from my body. It's all connected. It's all together. I don't know how to separate and isolate my sin from the rest of me. It's all intertwined together. So maybe it would be better if we just stopped at the first half. Love sinners. Because if you can't do that, you can't love anybody. <laughs> if you can't love sinners, you can't love yourself. You can't love anyone around you, no one in this room. And maybe we'll just keep the other part out. This is interesting. Um, the phrase, love the sinner, hate the sin, is nowhere in the Bible. Jesus doesn't say it. You won't find it there. Uh, often credit is given to Augustine, uh, 
a fourth century Catholic bishop for saying it, maybe. Uh, I think Gandhi maybe made it most popular. Uh, Gandhi gets cited a lot. Uh, there's, a, there's actually, you can see it, hate the sin and not the sinner. This was Gandhi. However, when this gets quoted, this is almost all that you see. That's not the full quote that Gandhi gave. Click it again. His full quote is, hate the sin, not the sinner, is a precept which, easily enough to understand, is rarely practiced. And that's why the poison of hatred spreads in our world. <laughs> Gandhi, everybody, he, he's pretty smart. He, he knew what he was talking about, right? Part of what Gandhi, I think, is pointing out is we can say it very easily, but you can't practice it for some of the reasons it's, it's too complicated. And ultimately, that word, hate the sin, hate it, hatred, it, begin, it changes my focus. I begin looking for sin. It changes the lens I begin to see my neighbors with. And so then hatred and judgment grows. This is another problem I have with it. If, like, love the sin or hate the sin, the, I, the term hate just bothers me, but I think it, it begins to shape how we view the other. Jesus never says, love the sinner, by the way. Jesus doesn't even say that. Who does Jesus say we're supposed to love? Your, your neighbor. He doesn't say, oh, love the sinner. He says, love your neighbor. When I see you as a neighbor, as part of us, you're not part of them, you're part of us, you're my neighbor, I'm not looking to judge you for your sin. The lens I bring, right, the way I see you, the way I frame you is not, what are you doing wrong? What mistakes are you making? The lens I bring is you're my neighbor and I'm asked to love you. Jesus says love neighbors, not sinners. Right? The emphasis on neighbor. Love your enemy. Even that, it's, it's love your enemy, not sinners. Love those who oppose you. So the problem that we face, I think, uh, as Christians is that it's very easy. It's human nature. It's the way my brain our brains, I think, can be wired sometimes, which is to be like the Pharisees. The Pharisees exist because human nature is like, it's a competition. So you, the Pharisees are like, we follow the laws. You don't follow the laws. We are holy, you are not. We can go to the temple because we're holy and you are not. Like, it's us and them. It's clean and unclean. And it's a competition. And who's doing it better? And how many holiness points do we get, right? That's, that's a very easy, I mean, I love sports, I love competition. I want to know how many holiness points I just earned. <laughs> Was it 100? What do you, 1,000? I've got 6,000. Like, I wish I had a scorecard and I could give you like 6,000 holiness points. Take it, boom, like mic drop or something, right? I love that. And it's so awful. It's wrong. It, it, you end up making other people feel less than, feel judged, right? Love the sinner, hate the sin. When someone says that, they almost never refer to themselves. They're talking to someone they think is a sinner, right? That's being a Pharisee. This is why, and Jesus is awesome. I love Jesus, right? So he's in the midst of this. Pharisees are the religious leaders. They know the Old Testament better than anybody. They know all the laws. So then he like, all of his stories, the Pharisees are the villains. And it's always like Samaritans, outsiders, other ethnic groups, sinners that become the heroes, right? So we have to be cautious before we become like the Pharisees and we try to measure everyone's sin rather than just loving our neighbor, right? So here's, listen to the words of Jesus here. Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous and who looked on everyone else with disgust. Two people went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 
Tax collectors were often Jewish individuals who were traitors working with Rome to collect taxes from Jewish people, right? They were disguised. They were dis I mean, people hated them. They were despised. They often cheated, took too much of tax. They were considered sinners, the lowest of the low. So you got a Pharisee, holy person of God, follows the law, tax collector. Ooh, you're a traitor, right? Jesus always flips the script, right? The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself with these words. God, I thank you that I'm not like everyone else. Crooks, tax collectors, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I receive. Boop. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to look toward heaven. Rather, the tax collector struck his chest and said, God, show me mercy, a sinner. I tell you, this person went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. Love the sinner and hate the sin is, means I'm here to judge your sin and to hate it. It means that that's the lens I bring to you. It makes it very hard to really love and it plays on that part of me that's already trying to be a Pharisee and that I have to resist, right? That's already trying to measure me against you. Am I one up or one down in holiness points, right? So what would it be like to maybe shift the focus that I think God cares about sin, I think God cares about the things that I do that separate me from myself and from other people and from God, absolutely. And do you want to know the kinds of sins God wants me to focus on? My own. Not other people's. Do you want to know the sins God wants me to focus on? My own. The way I behave and hurt other people and, and, and am not true to myself. And I'm not here to like, be monitoring your behavior. What, what, what business of that is mine? There's a, a, a story, uh, I'm sorry, Sullivan, it's going to be like two slides up. Um, can, you, can you move forward? No, one more. Yeah, a story about Billy Graham. So uh, most of you know Billy Graham, but he was like very popular, televangelist. Many people came to Christ under his ministry. I mean, at the time, the most famous Christian in the United States, right, when he was alive. Uh, and he came under incredible criticism because he went to uh, a presidential event uh, and sat at the table with Bill and Hillary Clinton during Bill Clinton's scandal with Monica Lewinsky. You can imagine the criticism is, why would you be present to such a scoundrel? Why would you sit at his table and allow yourself to be there and... Um, Billy Graham, in no uncertain terms, tried to make it clear that he, it, I'm here as a presence of God's love, that it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, not mine. It's God's job to, to judge, not mine. This sets all of us free to just be able to be present and to love, which is ultimately, I think, what transforms hearts and transforms lives. It's God's love and God's grace, often displayed through us, that give hope. So let's just, right, maybe, maybe, maybe we would change the phrase, we would change the focus to something like this. Go forward a couple slides, Saul. There you go. 
How about that? I like this better. We'll just, we'll just stop, right? Um, I'm thinking of a particular issue. So when, when you hear the term love the sin or hate the sin, what modern issue do you think that's most associated with? What do you think? 